Hello and welcome to 100 and episode... Wait, what? <laughs> Hello and welcome to episode 182 of the Startcast, Breast Out Australia's weekly video game discussion podcast. I'm your host, you enjoy today by my fellow gamers, James. Hello. And Stephen. Stephen, I am Hello. I think <laughs> I think I've got like oven chips on the go and the smell is just distracting me horrifically. Uh Stephen, how are you man? We uh, missed you last week. Yeah, no, I'm I'm doing good. Uh been busy, but yeah, happy to be back. I don't suppose you had the opportunity to catch up on last week's episode, did you? I did not. No, gosh, I'm so far <laughs> behind you, on podcasts at the moment. <laughs> did you like catch any of the antics at all that James and I got up to? Like, I, was, I don't know if we talked about it. So you might have just been relying on people of the the press art team listening to the episode themselves. Um, but last week, James and I just decided that we were going to do a bunch of BuzzFeed quizzes, like video game related BuzzFeed quizzes. Um, huh, to figure okay. out, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we uh, we found out what iconic video games characters video game characters we were and which game was inspired by our life story if i remember correctly so like i'm um, absolutely gonna have to go back and re-listen because i don't know if you're like having a joke at me because i haven't listened <laughs> no. yet because this sounds like <laughs> no. it could be legit but also happen. probably no, not. i'm not happened. telling you what i got either so <laughs> <laughs> well i, I have don't no know choice. how i managed to convince james that it was a good idea for content but no well, you didn't you, did. <laughs> you told me you on air like mid episode yeah. that's what we we're doing so fair point <laughs> actually fine. yeah <laughs> um but steven let's start with you this week what would you like to discuss today well yeah i've been you know doing a little bit of reading about video games as I do. Um, and yeah, I came across this interesting article the other day about the creators of Disney Infinity Avalanche software and what mm-hmm. they were working on before uh, Disney Infinity became a thing. Um, and it was, yeah, something that was supposed to tie in with the, from memory, there was a Toy Story 3 like movie tie in game. And it was going to have like an expansion or an extra mode in the game that never actually came to pass because uh, deadlines and movie releases and stuff happen. Um, but yeah, it was something apparently called internally Star Command, where it would be following Buzz Lightyear and a whole bunch of characters around to different places in the universe doing all these, um, you know, cool missions, I guess, kind of like the what ended up becoming the toy box mode in mm. Disney Infinity. It's sort of that kind of, you know, not really a s- distinct story, but just a whole bunch of cool little missions you can do with, you know, whatever characters you like. And yeah, it kind of got me thinking about, I know there's these interesting ideas for for movie games. You get so many movie games where they're, they have to follow the movie to the T and as a result, it kind of ends up being a fairly average game. But you Mm -hmm. can take these ideas that, you know, just expand. It's almost like an extended universe kind of thing where it does more gamey things with the, with the narrative and characters of the movie. And I, yeah, it'd be really cool if we saw more of that, I think. Yeah. How much do you think this game would have been comparable to what became Disney Infinity? I kind of get the impression from reading it that a lot of the sort of ideas they had kind of eventually became Disney Infinity. Do you think this would have been quite uniquely different or was there a lot of crossover? Well, I mean, probably, I guess, yeah, Disney Infinity. It does, as you say, sound like a lot of the ideas that they had in here did end up becoming you know, uh, further refined and polished down to become what was eventually Disney Infinity. But, mm. um, yeah, no, I guess you're probably right in that case. It's just, yeah, pretty interesting to see all these things that, uh, you know, they start off as ideas, they don't come don't come to pass initially, and then, you know, surprise down the road, it's going to be, you know, the idea of an entirely different game that becomes wildly successful down the track. 
Yeah. Oh, how many times I've been disappointed by movie <laughs> tie-in games. Don't get me started on Aragon. Um, oh, I guess I, that was um, just a movie that disappointed me as well. shit too. Yeah. Like. <laughs> <laughs> just a game in the Aragon universe would have been so cool. Mm. Um, did you guys, any of you guys play Disney Infinity much? Yeah, um, I, I, to. Went, I went all in on the Star Wars one. Um, uh-huh. Yeah, that was I, one I stepped into. I bought the starter pack and everything. Um, uh-huh. And <laughs> I... Probably one of my top five uh, buyer's remorse moments, for sure. Um, <laughs> mm. <laughs> Where does it rank against your and Amiibo collection? <laughs> yeah, uh, no, no, that's not even... Mate, I still use them every day. I used them for a review <laughs> game yesterday. Like oh, they're, okay. a, they're an investment. A long-term, <laughs> in, evergreen investment. <laughs> um... Yeah, I, I really liked Disney Infinity, but I also, um, I don't know, I think I just got, I don't know what happened, like, I didn't think it was bad, like, I just got bored quickly. Yeah. Um, well, I, just I don't think it was really a game meant for us, potentially, like, I can imagine kids really being into it, and I'm sure there were plenty that were. I know a lot of adults. Maybe not as much as Skylanders, but. Well, I don't know, I, li- I know a lot of, like, young adults who play it and stuff, but mm-hmm. I just, I don't know, something, there was something about it, I just never came back to it, it just wasn't, um, like, I didn't hate it, but I just never came back to it, so. Right. I think the toys are just, it's just annoying like I know this is really bad but I, if like the portal was wireless and I could sit on my couch next to the portal. Yeah. <laughs> like having I to mean, get up all the time. I mean it's enough to be annoying like I don't know if we had to get up to you know plug in controllers we wouldn't want to do that. We're we're past that time. We're not cave people. <laughs> <laughs> I do I must admit I do like the look of this this toy story Star Commander kind of game. I kind of like the idea of something maybe being a a bit more sort of focused around kind of like the one Disney property. Um, although it sounds like based on the idea that kind of that it's all kind of covered in this Kotaku article, we should mention credit, credit to them for this, uh, this story. Um, but they kind of talked about the pop, like populating the world with eighties action toys, like He-Man and Thundercats and stuff like that. Um, I kind of like that idea, but sort of having this kind of party, like an almost like RPG-like kind of party of of Toy Story characters that are going on this adventure together. Um, I've not played the Kingdom Hearts games, but maybe that's what that is. I don't know. Mm, I think it's that, but also really have to be into the anime side of things as well, and that's enough to alienate a few people, I suspect. I think, I know with you mentioning, you know, this being, or I guess the idea of a more focused thing, that's kind of the difference Mm -hmm. I see from what I'm reading here versus what Disney Infinity was. That seems very... I don't. Shallow has a bad connotation to it, but it seems like a reasonably shallow game that doesn't have a whole lot of depth. But because of that, it has, you know, I don't know if it was hundreds, but a whole bunch of different characters that you can slot in and out at any time and they all just kind of work together. And I guess when Mm -hmm. you've got a bit more of a uh, restriction on the kinds of characters that are in here or the universe that it's going to be, you can do a bit more with each of the characters. And that might be a way of making it a bit more interesting long term Mm -hmm. or at least you know, be, be its own thing rather than something that feels like you can plug a character in and pull it out and it doesn't really change how the game plays. I think, yeah. I think that, like, a lot of it would have been just rolled into, like, the Toy Story playset um, for Disney mm-hmm. Infinity when they were all done. Um, mm-hmm. Because, like, when you said, Steve, like, it's a like not fleshed out and kind of shallow, that's basically what a playset is um, yeah, for Disney Yeah, that's Infinity. the impression so, like, I get too. Like yeah. you, get story, you get the storyline and stuff but, and the, some of the nice cinematics, but not nothing amazing. 
Um, yeah. Well, they probably just took what they did and just turned that into Disney Infinity and thought, we can make money from this because Skylanders was blowing up as well. Um, mm, yeah, that's true. And there was a toy box mode in Toy Story 3, which I remember thinking was really weird and random. But then when Disney Infinity came out, like it was quite obvious that was kind of, the, I guess, the stepping stone or the bridge to what it became. Yeah. Mm. Did you play Lego Dimensions at all, James? No. No. That Too was, late. That was, the, that was the Toys to Life game that really got me. I, I, I if think... You- I think if you that know was me, the I'm one that deserved to succeed the most, but it was just too expensive. And yeah, it really was. I just couldn't be bothered again. Um, mm. Yeah, I reckon that was the one. Yeah, you're right. Like, the licensing, there was no issues with all that shit. Like, you could just put yeah. freaking Homer in the Batmobile. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and you're good, yeah. And you're good. Like, you don't have to worry about that crap. Whereas in And it was also just really well designed in the way that you had to, like, interact with the portal and the different kind of colored sections of it to solve puzzles and... That was all really, really cool. That, that was the one that... I, that was, I actually platinumed LEGO Dimensions. I oh, didn't enjoy it that much. Yeah. Um, I've heard, I, yeah. I've heard I it's don't, great. I don't care about trophies. I don't platinum games, and but that is one that I have. Um, so, uh, yeah, take from that what you will. But it was it was definitely my... I think I voted for it as a potential for Game of the Year that year. It was definitely my shortlist. Um, yeah, I love LEGO Dimensions. But, uh, alas, not every Toys to Life game but was did we as good all- as... Did we all buy Starlink, though? Yeah. I could not speak to Starlink. <laughs> but, I mean, the toys... I feel like the toys have to be something you're excited about in itself, right? Like, I am a massive Lego fan, so I would have bought a lot of those characters even if I wasn't playing the game. And I think Amiibos are kind of have the same kind of shtick, I guess. Like, people yeah, want I'd- those toys even if they have no intention of ever using them yeah exactly like i've got a huge pile of amiibo and i i think the last time i carted them out is when i was reviewing the bayonetta games and if you scanned them you got free currency so you could get your abilities early so that's i don't really use them for their intended purpose i guess i'm not training my amiibo to you know play smash on my behalf or anything like i thought i might be to begin with they're just they have to be cool little figures and then if they do something in a game that's a bonus but Really, mm. I'm not going to do that realistically. <laughs> yeah, yeah, hundred um, percent. Stephen, if there was a, uh, a like a Disney game to be made outside of the kind of Disney Infinity realm, like what would would you want after the Mulan trailer today? Maybe a uh, From Software Mulan game. Oh gosh, yeah. Um, <laughs> wow, <laughs> wow, that. You can have that idea for free. I, yeah, I, I don't think I can beat that. You've done well. <laughs> can you just imagine, like, it needing to, uh, like, in the training scene, needing to actually, like, move rhythmically because, you know, if you fall out of line with everyone else, you'll be chided. You'll, you'll not be the yeah. good warrior. That, that could be extremely cool. And then cool. gradually, like, a song kind of creeps in. And before you know it, it's a musical video game. Let's get down to business. <laughs> oh, that's so good. And yeah, I can't beat that. So that's my answer. Thank you, Ewan. <laughs> uh, James, what would you like to talk about this week? Uh, mine's, I talked about it last week. Well, I didn't, but I mentioned it. So I'm bringing it back. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, is so cool. That's allowed. Uh, yeah. So talking about Mortal Kombat <laughs> last week, um, I was talking about how Certain characters are, like, overpowered or have, like, more, I guess, um, tools at their disposal than others, um, which kind of mm-hmm. got me thinking about um, every time there's, like, a multiplayer game that comes out, like Overwatch, uh, Mortal Kombat, or any fighting game, any shooter, really, as well, um, there's always, like, this kind of discussion, like, oh, so-and-so is, like, OP, or so-and-so is too overpowered, um, mm-hmm. or the developers should, should nerf them, or like nerf this, or whatever. Um, but what I was going to ask you guys was, 
Like, what do you think is the best way to go in terms of balancing a game? Um, in that you can either, like, say, debuff powerful characters, or do you think it's better to buff everyone else so they're on the same level as, like, a powerful character? And how long do you think you should wait before you even bother to do that? Like, as a really good example I used last time was with Bastion in Overwatch. Everyone hated him at first because he seemed super Mm. cheap with his turret and all that kind of stuff. Um, But then eventually, like, people kind of clued on to the ways to, you know beat him really easily um like say yeah. genji reflect or whatever um so yeah yeah that's a really good point because if you make these balancing changes too early then you don't give people the opportunity to find like creative ways to get around what seems like a like an insurmountable challenge to begin with and like the the example that i think of when it comes to game balancing is in the last year or so i've gotten kind of heavily into hearthstone and they rebalance that a lot mainly by looking at if there's say one deck or one particular combination of cards that every single person seems to be using and everyone seems to be winning with then that's a bad thing because they want to encourage you know different strategies in the game so if they leave that going for for long enough realize that no one's finding a way around this. They just do a reshuffle and say, this card costs more, this card does less damage or something like that. And yeah, that sort of forces people to rethink their strategies. It makes you know existing ones less viable. It might make other options more viable against it and things like that. It's, yeah, it, it's extremely difficult to do. And yeah, I don't know where you draw the line of how long do you wait to give people a chance to get past this, this uh, challenge versus, you know, do you just debuff them and, hope that that fixes things yeah it's uh, that's a tough question james i don't know if there's any kind of like um formula to it um i like the idea that because i guess my most recent experience with it has been with with apex um and the sort of changes that they brought about in season two kind of introducing a new character um kind of playing around with certain characters hitboxes and stuff um i think they've done a pretty good job with it although they sort of have run into an issue with like some of the the new kind of ammunition that they've added to the game being a little bit overpowered and they've had to quickly sort of issue a patch to to counteract that um which kind of goes against what their their sort of philosophy was, because if you remember kind of after the release of the game, they were saying that they were going to kind of slowly release content for it and try and make sure things were a bit more polished rather than doing the sort of very on-the-fly updates that Epic Mm. do with Fortnite. Yes. Um, So that was kind of a bit, you know, going against their, their promise, I suppose, to have something that was kind of broken, arguably, um, patched out very, very quickly after the, the season update. Um, but a lot of the characters that I play as, I main as, um, in Apex, um, received, um, nerfs. Um, so for instance, like Pathfinder, who was a character that was notoriously hard to hit, like his kind of hitbox was a bit oddly shaped, um, has been restructured. So he's now kind of able to, to hit more easily, which makes sense. Um, and then like a relatively minor one, Lifeline, who's like the medic support character that I play as a lot, um, used to have a drone that you could throw out that would heal. Um, and even even when you were kind of out in the storm, you could throw that up and kind of keep you alive whilst you were looting or that kind of thing. Um, whereas that's now destroyed by the storm. So it kind of removes that sort of strategy. Um, 
which was kind of like a shame for me because that was something that I was finding use for and kind of reasons that I liked playing as those characters. Um, and it's kind of forced me to sort of reevaluate like who I might main as. Um, so I guess that's been problematic, but I don't know if the, it would have been like a solution to say, okay, well, instead of nerfing those characters, we'll buff everyone else. I think that kind of could really create all sorts of other issues and and maybe sort of change how the game's kind of approached in its entirety but i think yeah i totally theoretical i don't know like what it would be like in practice i totally agree though like it this is a weird example please forgive me but it makes me think of like the dragon ball z (laughs) problem like you know the start of that show the power level being over Uh, nine thousand is a massive Uh. thing but then (laughs) it's like it's just the constant formula that things have to keep getting bigger so that it becomes more exciting than the last thing and if you just keep buffing everything everything becomes ridiculously superhuman overpowered to the point of ridiculousness and it kind of loses a bit of I don't know, any semblance of seriousness it might have had. To keep with the anime references, I believe, although I've only seen like a handful of episodes, (laughs) that One Punch Man is like a similar sort of thing. Yes. Whereas like they create this super OP character, like who defeats enemies with one punch, that it just kind of keeps escalating like beyond kind of reason yes and um, they they do that in in full knowledge that that's the exact <laughs> trope that they're doing and it's a great yeah, show because yeah. of that but yes <laughs> but yeah and it like it also brings up the question i think this is a relatively recent i guess problem to be thinking about because it's only in the last maybe decade that we've been able to make these changes so easily mm. that if you work out within a few months that a character's overpowered you can issue a patch and change things whereas I know I think back to even as far back as like PS2 and earlier or arcade, like if you found a character was, you know, if it was the only, if only people used, uh, if people only used, say, Liu Kang in Mortal Kombat Arcade, if you wanted to make Liu Kang less powerful or make other characters more powerful, you need to like issue a new physical board to plug into the existing machines or replace Mm -hmm. the entire machine. And so it sort of creates a bit of a, I know you know what to expect. You go to any Mortal Kombat thing and you know every character is going to be the same as it is everywhere. Whereas I guess now, you know, you could come back to a game in six months time and a character won't be the same character you remember them being. And it's, it's yeah, mm. just a different set of problems because of how we have the opportunity to change things. And as a result, we do it a lot. <laughs> is there someone in your mind, James, that does it better than, than others? No, not really. Um, part of me thinks like, uh, a good like a, I don't I don't play a lot of online multiplayer besides fighting games, so that's why it's always in my mind. Because I feel like with mm. f- with fighting games, especially because it's always one v one usually, like mm-hmm. you kind of notice more often if a character is OP, so to speak, because yeah. it's just you versus one. Whereas in a match of Overwatch, there's what thirty two people. Um, mm. Oh no 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 twelve sorry <laughs> yeah that's um, right yeah so and that can you, like any OP characters can kind of fade to the background a little bit. Um, the only thing I can really think of is I remember I really liked the idea of Zenyatta, um, but they, he was super weak when the game first came out. Mm. Um, mm. And I don't know if you guys play... I know Steven did, but like, you and I don't know if you played it much, but I when have, they issued that patch where like Zenyatta had just so much more buffs and stuff and you started seeing more of them and I started yeah. using him more, that mm. struck me as being something like, yeah, like he definitely was like underpowered and he definitely yeah. needed a buff. Um, so I feel like I, like I don't know what it's like now because I haven't played for a while. But I do feel like Blizzard's probably on top of that quite a bit. Yeah, I think um, what they're good at doing is kind of having 
like having characters that counteract the abilities of other characters. So it's kind of like, yeah, if you don't kind of think about how you're structuring your team, then there might be a character that the other team kind of uses that really kind of dominates. But if you structure your team right, then you've got within you kind of a trump card that counteracts that. Um, I think they're quite good at, at thinking about how those playoffs all, all work. Even like yeah, I took the point like when you think about Symmetra when she when the game first came out to what she can do now, um, mm-hmm. just that character has changed so much. Like I, I don't even think any of her original abilities are still are there anymore. Mm. Um, which is just so weird to me. Um, mm. But also like highlights that they're kind of they don't really care if things change to the point where they the disc doesn't matter anymore. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, yeah, I totally agree with you on Blizzard because even it's kind of been their business for, God, decades. Like, since the earliest example I can think of is the first StarCraft where it was everyone was amazed that, you know, prior to that, your real-time strategy games had sort of two, for all intents and purposes, identical sides with fairly similar units and they would just, you know, be similar enough that just whoever plays better wins. But StarCraft had, you know, the Zerg, the Protoss and the Terrans and they all played wildly differently with extremely different, uh, you know, types of units and strategies and things. And they managed to balance that in a way that one was never overly powerful against the others. And I guess since Mm -hmm. then it's become, you know, balance in Overwatch, balance in Hearthstone, that if they screw that up, they risk their you know ongoing business for both of those games so they have a lot of monetary incentive to be good at balancing this stuff yeah i think esports kind of plays a big role as well and like the fact there is such a focus on the competitive scene and you have people kind of like literally training with the game for hours and hours a day that it kind of has like an extra kind of level of scrutiny and and the kind of issues get picked up very quickly and made very apparent that they can very quickly sort of like identify issues and and, and work on a solution mm. um as like a bit of like a out of the box kind of contender for a game that i think get balance really well um i think dice do an exceptional job with battlefield um and the way that they have kind of infantry um like planes and tanks um all those sort of vehicles kind of occupy the same space and largely kind of check out okay um like even and that kind of even comes down to the level level design where say your your inventory you can sort of duck and cover um quite well and sort of just avoid tanks and and not take damage from them um i play a lot of like the medic class um in battlefield that doesn't have any explosives so i can't do anything to destroy a tank really but i do have smoke grenades so i can throw those and block a tank line aside and, and kind of go about my business unscathed um and by business i mean like absolutely dominating i'm destroying it about clearly at the moment. obviously obviously um <laughs> but then you know there's also like the engineers that can like drop traps and kind of close off roads and or like shoot uh, rpgs of them and so there's kind of those checks and balances like all in play there um and the fact that you can kind of go oh i love like controlling a tank and i can do okay with that but uh, or you can kind of six solid inventory like i do i i think that the fact that that works is like a testament to how good the balance is in that game. But it's, yeah, it's not an easy thing to do. I mean, obviously they've made like a load of Battlefield games now and, and have made like progressive changes, not just kind of with the one game through patches and stuff, but over time through multiple iterations. Um, 
yeah, I don't feel envious, like, in the slightest for, like, the, the people that have to try and, like, repeatedly test and make sure, like, all of the balance is in order. That Even with, like, a, nightmare. a fighting game, there's 20-something characters in most of them. Um, mm. And it's like, how, I just don't think it's possible. I mean, not even, like, let's just think of Smash Bros. Ultimate. Like, there's how, f- yeah. how many characters oh, in that? Like, that. 60, I lost 60 plus? I don't know. Yeah. There's a lot. Like, how on earth... Do you make every character viable? Like, yeah. in Mortal Kombat 11, there's, like, a 25, I think, right now. Um, there, there's going to be people who naturally go... Become less viable compared to others. Mm. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's hard. I know I yeah. brought it up, but I don't know. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's one of these topics, James, we're just going to have to keep grappling with, I think, and we'll just keep figuring it out as we go along. Um, speaking of patches and figuring out things as we go along, um, the NBN is in absolute shambles right now. It's kind of been dominating the news over the last couple of days. Um, the NBN obviously being the, uh, national broadband network here in Australia, um, that's kind of gone through various iterations over late various kind of like political parties being in control. Um, but it's kind of been in the news recently, um, because the NBN Co, the company sort of behind it all has been reaching out to internet service providers, kind of answering them, asking them a bunch of questions that have us kind of concerned about how well all of this was really thought through and uh, how like how it's actually kind of going to be carried out as like a finished product, so bearing in mind that it's largely still under construction. Um, have you guys been following much of this news at all? Yeah. I just, yeah, I only <laughs> just saw like the, the streaming tax... Yeah, the Netflix effect, um, right? Oh, which, and, yeah, like, and the whole like net neutrality thing. Oh, it's there's so bizarre. much we could get into here. Um, I think Stephen kind of shares like a sentiment to me. But let's start with Fortnite to kind of keep with the video game kind of angle as much as possible. Um, so this is I'm going to read an excerpt here from from the Age and Jennifer Duke that uh, that put this together. Um, so it starts with the hit video game Fortnite has emerged as a new headache for the national broadband network amid. Concerns telcos are not buying enough bandwidth to ensure fast connections in busy hours when Australians are streaming popular games. Um, the NBN Co. has sought feedback from its customers about the prices it charges and how they're handling major traffic events, such as the rollout of Mammoth Network. As the sorry, as the rollout of Mammoth Network enters its final critical phase. Um, so what what she's kind of talking about here is the fact that we kind of have these these big patches for Fortnite kind of drop um, relatively surprisingly um and at times they're kind of a seven gigabyte patch is used as an example so you know in the gigs um and we have hundreds of thousands of players here in australia um downloading the patch more or less at the same time this is kind of what's considered like a high traffic uh, volume event um that puts a load of pressure on our internet infrastructure basically um and they're kind of saying that we don't really have the capacity to deal with this and that we're going to have to lower our speed, like our expectations as to when it comes to internet speeds. Um, to cut it brief, because I'm already going on too long, um, they also talk about like the Netflix effect where they basically didn't expect as many people to be streaming video as that we now have. Um, sort of saying that five years ago when all this was being brainstormed, Netflix didn't exist, which I have a bunch of issues with. Um, but yeah, basically it's kind of putting a bit of blame on heavy internet users 
for like such as us gamers and us Netflix streamers as causing a bunch of problems that are meaning we sort of have to lower expectations with what the NBN is going to provide. But anyhow, that's kind of trying to briefly bring it up to speed with everything that's been going on. Um, Stephen, what yeah. do you make of all of this? Uh, I have a couple of things that I've thought about with this whole uh, I guess, discussion that's been happening recently. And I think the thing that hit me when I was on NBN back when I lived in Perth, it was I found that if you went with, say, a provider that gave you unlimited internet for a reasonably low price, it usually meant that they were getting such low prices because they weren't buying enough bandwidth from NBN Co itself. Uh, if anyone mm-hmm. isn't aware, like NBN basically sells bandwidth to all the ISPs who then on sell it to us on their network and say if, I don't know, ISPX, I won't name names, but if one of them doesn't buy enough and so they have so much to go around, then when it co- comes to 7, 8 p.m. in the evening and everybody decides to get on at once, they don't have enough to go around and everyone has to deal with, I don't know, the scraps that you know everyone has to share the same amount. And mm-hmm. so I found one thing that has like materially changed that, I don't know if you've noticed in where you guys live, but all the advertising for NBN recently has forced ISPs to show their actual speeds like during evening rather than say like an ad that we used to say 50, you'll get 50 meg down. uh, And now the ads will say average evening speed, 42 meg down. And I think that's had two effects in that, you know, it means they're having to buy more because if, if they advertise the real speeds, then people wouldn't buy it because they're mm. crap uh, and in doing so it means that now people know what those speeds are or the isps have to show them it means that they're buying more speed it's or buying more bandwidth so that they can actually advertise that they're a reasonably good company um yeah but at the same time it kind of hits on like what the the network was meant to be originally it was everyone knows the story it was meant to be, it was a bit more expensive to begin with but it would be more future proof then we had a change of government who decided to cheap out on a few things and that ended up making it more expensive and less future proof it's a whole pile of fish um but yeah it, it's i i wish that this was seen as a as a utility for people rather than a company that needs to make a profit. Like I get that you can't just throw unlimited money at a problem and hope that it gets fixed because that's how a lot of government problems start. But I don't know, looking at this as something that the the NBN Co has to act like a private company and make a profit means that they're charging more for bandwidth than most ISPs or most people like us are paying more for NBN than what we might have got the equivalent under the old ones because NBN has to charge more to make money so that they, you know, can make profit. And I feel like that's not necessarily the best way to do what should be a public service in my Mm. eyes, but Mm. I guess it depends on the government of the day as to whether they agree with that idea or whether privatization is better. It's, it's, there's a lot to talk about there. (laughs) Yeah, there is. Um, And the sort of implications of it too, I'm sure we could, we could go into too. We might in a sec. Um, But I think like the thing that really bothers me about this is the kind of lack of foresight um, Mm. in the, the sort of statement that, you know, Netflix didn't really exist five years ago. Like we didn't see this coming. I was like, yeah, but YouTube has existed since the mid two thousands and we were streaming video then. Like, it doesn't take much, and I I don't know, like, when exactly Netflix started, but I'm fairly sure, like, it was kind of in early stages in other territories at the time. Yeah, like, Um, I got on Netflix in 2014 by, like, VPNing into the US, but, like, it was a thing. Yeah, there you go. And I don't think it takes that much foresight to go, okay, this is actually kind of going to blow up um, and become much of a bigger thing. And to sort of put the blame 
back on the consumer um, and potentially charge them for how they're using the internet differently as well um, is is overstepping a line. Mm, um, totally. You're like, right. Oh, you go. I, I, I sort of share the opinion that the in, like, internet per internet provision is is kind of a public good and should be kind of treated that way mm. um and especially in this day and age we expect everyone to have some sort of connection to the internet um and it's increasingly like a relatively stable fast connection to the internet um and we can't kind of have those expectations if we're not taking steps to ensure that that's accessible for everyone um but the kind of different kind of demand than what they forecasted has now means that they've lowered the sort of expectations with kind of peak speeds. So they're saying that speeds as low as six megabits per second um, during peak hours, like in the sort of evening times is is acceptable, Um, Mm. which is mind blowing someone that back on a cable connection was still managing to get a hundred. Like I appreciate that I'm sort of lucky in that I live in a metropolitan area and can get access to decent speeds. Um, But that technology back ages ago, um, I mean, we're talking 10, 15 years ago could deliver speeds of that, that is now like not being able to service people that live in rural areas. And in some cases, metropolitan areas, there's, there's some parts of your, your Adelaide's, your Melbourne's, your Sydney's that aren't getting speeds like that. Oh, gosh. Um, I, I got on the NBN about a month ago and I live like five minutes from Adelaide CBD. It, I don't know uh-huh. how it took so long, but thank goodness it's yeah. here. But I so think, what sort of, out of interest, what sort of speeds are you getting now? Um, well, I'm on like a 50-20 plan and usually getting about like 48-20. Um, I think partially it's because I'm with a very good uh, provider, I think. But yeah, I'm doing, doing pretty well. I'm surprised actually. Yeah. I think, like, on the whole, like, the 6 meg being acceptable, I think that that's... Because I was reading through the article earlier on, it looked like that was more to do with the fixed wireless sort of thing, which was meant to be for people who live in places that aren't metropolitan or even, like, regional city, it's going to be the way we can get that last few percent of people reasonable internet. And I don't know, I kind of get that... Well, we just sort of, like, the fixed wireless, if I remember correctly, is kind of, like, using kind of satellite technology and sort of beaming kind of internet Yeah, like a combination of satellite and, like, mobile broadband, like 4G and upcoming 5G and stuff. And, like, that... I, I guess that's never really meant to be... Or at least 3G, 4G, I don't think it was ever designed to be something that could do the like constant streaming data of of netflix but Mm. at the same time as you say it's not like it's a new idea i remember reading a book about like the initial like discussions when they were coming up with the idea for the original xbox and like that machine was originally gonna be a like a ip streaming box an internet tv streaming box so like yeah this is a very very old idea we're talking like late 90s this was you know in development at microsoft so yeah yeah and speeds that were sort of promised kind of of like the 50 mark the the 25 megabit per second mark um would have been speeds that could potentially have been used better for streaming and including game streaming that's kind of like the benchmark that the 25 to 30 is kind of the benchmark that that google have talked about requiring for for stadia Mm -hmm. um so it's got some potential implications for for cutting people off of 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 game streaming going forward um, with that in mind, James, because we've talked about that before, like what what do you make of all of this? Are you kind of as <laughs> as upset about it as Stephen and I perhaps are? 
Um, yeah, so I'm not as, like, angry as you guys are, I don't think. Not angry, I don't know if that's the right word. Passionate, concerned. please. Frust- Passionate. Yeah, frustrated, um, concerned, maybe, yeah. Um, I-, I just think it's really bizarre that MBN has kind of, like, sold ISP as a service that they can then sell to us and then has kind of said to us, like, oh, no, but don't use it like that. Like, <laughs> yeah. You know? yeah. And um, <laughs> kind of... This idea of, say, a, like a tax, not a tax, I don't like that word, but you know what I mean? Like, just this idea of a, f- a surcharge for using it for what it was really intended for in the first place seems a bit shitty. Yeah, 100%. Um, yeah. And I kind of also got a feel for ISPs too, because they were kind of promised a service that they could then pass on to their customers, and they've kind of been shortchanged. Like, everyone's kind of losing out. And I'm sure, like, this isn't what NBN wanted like i don't think this was ever their intention but i just think they really should have been more proactive or or like had a more forethought um going into it um like it just kind of seems like they've not really consulted anyone that actually uses the internet all that much uh and are sort of doing it now like five years into the project which seems like totally absurd um, the fact that they only worked out what Netflix was once, you know, they knew personally what Netflix was. I'm assuming, like, I don't know, some boomer just discovered Netflix was like, oh, this is good. Now we we didn't know about this when we built the thing when, you know, all the other people were using Netflix 10 years ago. Yeah, totally bizarre. But hopefully it doesn't take you too long to download this episode of the podcast, uh, <laughs> which we will now wrap up with a round of What the Wiki. Uh, a reminder that What the Wiki is a Starcast game show where last week's winner reads a description of an unknown video game and the others must try to guess the correct game. The first to two wins, uh, and we only get one guess per paragraph um, of the description. Uh, James, as last week's winner, you are the one taking over the hosting duties this week. Um, I do have a recap from the last time we played this as well, which was episode 180. Sorry, no, 100... Yeah. Yes, 180. Um, the week's players were Brody, James, and Ewan. James proved once again why he is the current champion, scoring another point and extending his lead. Uh, thanks the official What the Wiki Keeper of the Score at Jamie Petting over on Twitter for that recap. Um, he reminds us that James is on the lead in six points, Brody on four, Stephen on three, and myself and Shannon uh, lagging behind at this point on a point each. Um, so, Stephen, an opportunity for you to close the gap if you can best me. Uh, but, James, you're taking it from here. Okay, so are we ready? Ready sure. as I'll ever be. Okay, I have a good feeling about this round. <laughs> okay, <laughs> cool. <laughs> okay, so the game is a graphic adventure game played from a third-person perspective. The player controls the protagonist who must investigate the murder of a woman. <laughs> Throughout the game, the player will explore various three-dimensional environments, such as apartment buildings and a bar. This is the most weirdly written entry. It's very long. Stephen? Oh, Ewan. Ooh. Oh, Steven was first! <laughs> I mean, this is a total guess, but L.A. Noir? No, not okay. at all. Ewan. Is it The Wolf Among Us? It is The Wolf Among oh, Us. Yes! <laughs> <laughs> so, um, on this day, or this week maybe, um, five years ago, the uh, Wolf Among Us concluded, which oh. is pretty yeah, crazy. Sad times. Always and the sequel was cancelled recently too. Yeah. R.I.P. Sad times. I got a point, though. Oh, my God. I mean, not a point. Not yet, but, um, you know, I guess the game. Yeah, gosh, okay. pressure's on for me. <laughs> um, well, the next one is a, a submission from Jamie Penning, um, official something of the score. <laughs> what, um, the wiki keeper of the score? <laughs> yeah. Um, so, get ready, team. Um, are we ready? 
<laughs> yes. I should definitely not be a host. I'm so invested <laughs> in this round right now. <laughs> yeah, this is, this is it. You know, this is 100% it. Um, okay, so in the game, the player controls the main character through various open-ended levels in order to complete various missions. The game's levels are split across four villages and are accessed through an open hub world. The missions involve helping other characters with a certain task. After completing a certain number of levels in a village, a boss level is opened up, which allows access to the next village when completed. Certain level features involve riding a vehicle through a course, including a race car, a speedboat, a hang glider, a hot air balloon, and a giant snowball, among others. Steven? Steven? Yeah. This is absolutely not it, but Banjo-Kazooie Nuts and Bolts? No, it's not. (laughs) Okay. This is the first paragraph, so you and can I, do I, do you get a chance now? With, without penalty? Um, you don't know? <laughs> no, I'm going to wait off. Okay. We have talked about it before on the podcast. That's my only hint. Okay. On a Dreamcast. Huh? <laughs> Sorry, go on. <laughs> a Dreamcast port of the game was planned, having been mentioned in the UK print of the Dreamcast monthly magazine and touted for release in Q3 of 2000, but was cancelled in light of poor commercial success of the system. <sighs> The, g- the game was released for the Sony PlayStation in 1999 and later for Microsoft Windows and Game Boy Color in Steven? 2000. Oh, yeah, Stephen. Croc 2? It is Croc 2. Yes! Uh, <laughs> oh, okay, oh, so I do remember the snowball I'll- races. Yeah. So, I honestly thought it could have been a Crash Bandicoot game. Oh, well, I'm sure it wished it was, but it wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, Jamie submitted Croc 2 because last week when we were meant to play... What the wiki? It turned 20, which is kind of fucked. Oh. <laughs> like, there you go. Damn. I can't believe yeah. the Wikipedia article glosses over the belching competitions in that game. Like, they were an iconic feature. Do you know what? It probably didn't. I just had to pick and choose my paragraphs. <laughs> <so>. <laughs> the villages bit was tripping me up. I was like, there's no villages. And, but, and then I was like, is there a snowball instead of, like, the Indiana Jones ball in, like, one of the missions? I was like, there's good <laughs> yeah. And then I was thinking, like, Crash 3, when did that come out that had vehicle missions? I was like, you wouldn't. Anyhow. How old are you now? I am 23. 23. So you were three when that game came out. Yeah. <laughs> That's really weird. <laughs> <laughs> it is. That's so odd. Funny how time works, isn't it? Why not? Yeah. I don't know, I'm not even saying that to be a dickhead. Like, I just feel sick thinking that I was 10 when you were three. <laughs> like, we could have been friends. <laughs> oh, I don't know about that. <laughs> 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 All right, okay, the tiebreaker. So, tiebreaker. Exciting. This Here is going to be good, I reckon, because it's going to be a mess. It could be anything. Okay. <laughs> um, okay. Okay. So, the game only features the series signature conquest mode and a new game type called Air Superiority, which was unlocked when the online oh. community reached a combined total of 43 million kills. Similar to another game in the series before it, the game features only three classes, infantryman, rifleman, and scout. Each class has an unlimited supply of ammo, while explosive ordnance does take time to replenish. The game also features a regenerating health system. (laughs) There are are four types of vehicles in the game. Fighter, tank, car, and landing craft. Each team's main base has two one-man fighter aircraft. So that's the first paragraph. No guesses? No free uh, guesses? Free guess, uh, Stephen. Yeah. Um, Battlefield 1943. Oh, shit. Ewan, I'm sorry. Damn it. Is that what he get? Is that right? It's Battlefield 1943. <laughs> God damn it. I thought I was honestly thinking that, but I was like, I remember there being a Battlefield 1942, but I was like the 43 thing with the kills. I was like, was there a 43? 
Yeah, it was like, this weird, like, Xbox Live Arcade version or something. It was cartoony and stuff. That's what I was like, yeah. That's what I was thinking of. I was thinking, like, maybe it is that. Uh, props to you, Stephen. Uh, so, Thank Stephen, you. that now takes you to uh, four points. So, you're level with Brody now. And Hooray. closing the gap on James. Um so with that, let's bring it into what was episode 182, because uh, I'm starting, <laughs> I'm starting to fear like we're running into technical difficulties here. Oh no, James <laughs> is back. Okay, cool, cool. Um, <laughs> with that, let's bring it into what was episode 182 of the Startcast. Subscribe to us on the podcast service of your choice. Follow us at press.au. Join the conversation with hashtag the Startcast and visit the site at press.com.au. We've been joined today by James. Hi, I'm here, I think. Excellent. Um, you can, <laughs> yes, we can. You, yeah, you can. Oh, what a good round that was, I think. Um, yeah, you can find me on Twitter, every, as always, at Jams, so A-T-J-A-M-Z. Um, watch out for some Nintendo stuff from me. You shouldn't That's doubt all. yourself, James. That was a good round. I was that close. I was honestly yeah, like... They were good ones. That was competitive, yeah. I feel. It's I didn't get to, to hear any of it, though, but I'll have to listen to <laughs> the episode. <laughs> Because it cut out a bit. But I'm yeah. glad you told me you, that I was right before you cut out. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. You were so good, it destroyed my mic. And well-deserving of the points this week, we were joined today by Stephen. Yeah, um, you can find me at Stephen Impson. Um, on Twitter, I'm discovering my local library, so that's exciting. Cool. cool. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Uh, and I've been your host, Ewan Roxborough. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Ewan underscore Roxborough. Um, please do, because I've got some exciting news to share soon. Um, thanks again for tuning in, to, in, and until next time, happy gaming. See ya. See ya.